0: let's kick it yo yeah let's kick it uh enough talking about bad bad cv and let's talk about good hardcore um welcome to the where it went podcast where we are discussing the revelation records discography in chronological order and we made it to the 1990s in the podcast and we are now in 2021 in real time and uh jason what do we got
1: today We got youth of today's final seven inch, the self titled youth of today seven inch, commonly referred to as disengage. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, I'm still going to call it disengage, by the way. Yeah, I mean, same here.
0: Well, what do you call the quicksand seven inch? The quicksand 7-inch. The the quicksand (laughs) 7-inch. What do you call the burn 7-inch? The burn burn, uh, burn 7-inch.
2: I call it the holy scriptures.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The final word. The apex of hardcore. Um, This was a really cool episode to create. This was a cool interview to do. Um, You know, just becoming friends with Parmananda over the past few years. And being able to talk about hardcore um, and Krishna and life and all that stuff. And um, Sammy has been so great to us here at the podcast, really opening a lot of doors for us to and Yeah, like I said in the
2: year-end one, I mean, really, uh, without those two in particular, Mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't have the content that we have because they – they trusted us from the jump and um, they helped us get in touch with other people which you know the more people that talk to us the more credibility we have built up where people are, oh yeah you know I'll, I'll talk to that podcast so yeah, many thanks to
0: both of you. even them. even beyond that also is just the encouragement that both Agreed. of them has have, have given yeah. us and jordan uh, also yeah and sammy with you know having conversations with him directly about um you know uh content and uh graphics and yeah. a lot of that stuff and yeah so it's been really cool to like now also be able to interview them as musicians for a record um so before we get into the interview do we need to
2: So, um, yeah, let's give a bit of bow to uh, this episode sponsor, End Hits Records, to tie in with the Youth of Today final seven inch. And we, you know, we, a lot of shelter talk even on this episode. Um, they are re releasing Shelters when 20 summers pass, uh, as we talked about before. Um, and the date did get moved because of, you know, Pressing issues. Yeah, it's been uh, so happening it's, a lot. Yeah, it's. I mean, world. it's very common. Mm-hmm. It's moved till uh, the end of January, I believe, is when stuff starts uh, shipping. But we can tell you from getting a peek at everything that it is so worth the wait. Yeah. The um, music itself is actually now up on streaming services, so if you want to listen to it, um, I played it yesterday when I was doing some cleaning around the house. Uh, and played the whole deluxe with the extra tracks. And I love that they used the Century Media mix for this, not the Victory. So a lot of people I think are mainly familiar with the Victory Records version, but there was another mix done for Century Media, little heavier, uh, a little heavier. I didn't know more,
0: I didn't know this at all. Yeah, a little Same more here.
2: backup vocals. Um, and I think it's it's the superior version. Was and it released
0: this, on Century Media? Yeah, As like what? I have like a CD
2: CD and vinyl. I have the oh, really? media
0: vinyl. Yeah. And then what did victory do? Just CD. They do vinyl too? no victory did vinyl too. different what? cover. You can tell from cover, yeah, the cover. I, I got to tell you, man, when that record very first came out, I was checked out from that. I was what year was that? 98, 99 something. So it was, two, it was 2000. 2000. Oh, yeah. I was like, full blown fucking metalcore noisy metalcore in 2000 like i'm oh, man. i'm like give me year of our lord give me found dead hanging give me dead water drowning i just wanted the fucking most brutal shit or you know what we were listening to i think a lot around that time too was like fiona apple and um I heard unfortunately I heard a lot of refused in the van. Uh ah, I like refused too. I love uh, refused. No. I, you're I can't Any, do this. Right international yeah, now. noise not, conspiracy <laughs> all day. I like international <laughs> noise <laughs> conspiracy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am not starting off twenty twenty-one <laughs> listening <laughs> to your garbage takes. You know, uh
0: so but hold to, on. To, hold so on. Yeah, you yeah. Go yeah first. Go. No, you go. Explain so this to me.
2: The shelter. I'm talking about the shelter yeah Yeah. yeah. Records today. yeah. So when when 20 summers past the song first dropped, I was so stoked on it because Uh you know, beyond planet earth came before this one. And um, I'm not going to give my opinion on that because we're going to do a shelter challenge for this month's uh, Patreon pod, where we're going to go through their discography. But when I heard 20 summers past title track, I was so excited because it sounded much more like, just straight up melodic hardcore, cool lyrics, and um, listening to this new mix, or, uh, you know, the century media to have it on streaming now, to have that, you know, end hits put this all together is. I think people are going to rediscover this album, and the ones that maybe weren't into it in two thousand, I would strongly recommend to give it a listen. There's a lot of awesome songs on there. It's maybe not considered a classic shelter record, and but it's it's super solid. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, I can get down with that assessment. Um, like I said, I was checked out at the time, but now, I, I you know I've I've given it uh, more listens over the past couple years. Um, Give this new mix a listen. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I see. I wasn't even aware that there was different mixes, and so it's, uh, you know also a shout out a bit of bow to our friend Clint from organized crime records. He, uh, sent me a stack of actual photos from this era, which I'm sure then were shot and sent to victory, um, because Clint worked at victory records. And so he, you know, as we all know, victory started, uh, liquidating their offices and people have been buying stuff, uh, AJ from Preserving Hardcore picked up a lot of like sealed CDs and records and stuff like that. And he's been selling it at his record store. And so I'm sure they're going through a lot of the files, like I've said with Revelation, how they keep everything. And so he's distributing them to people. So I have a lot of stuff to scan is the bottom line. But yeah, the also, pictures are really cool. To wrap this up in a bow with End Hits Records, we just released on our Patreon an episode where the three of us talked about the Fugazi discography, and in there is an album called "End Hits." So um, sign up for bad. Patreon
2: if you want to hear it. Unlock, you know, uh, where it dot com. There's a link to get to the Patreon, um, and you can go in and and you know, basically the bonus episodes are for pretty much every tier except yeah. the three dollars tier.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, you get the having my says, like we've mentioned many times. So we don't want to give the same war stories over and over, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it should be cool. And Bidipo to end hits records and Oisey. Yeah. Great dude. Yeah. And,
0: um, people yeah I got to, I got to right. say again, all that stuff looks great. The merch looks great. The bead bags are cool. The records. I It's really cool that there's like, three sides to it and then the last side is the um artwork and then uh there's a picture disc which is cool like the only thing that's missing happy with it the only thing that's missing now is cassettes unfortunately but you know there's still time for that hey yo i'm just saying holler at contraband that's what i was gonna say yeah if you guys guys want to do tapes Um, speaking of Real quick, Jason brought up uh, on the year-end rap a band called Bloodstains, yeah, from Orange County, and yo, it got people talking. Uh, oh, nice! It, started talking to Ben. Edge started talking about Bloodstains, which then good. prompted a whole conversation. And and as a label owner of Contraband, I reached out to them and asked them if I could put out their cassettes and they're like, "Yo, we're already on it. We're already doing a cassette. We're probably going to do a seven inch. So just keep an eye on what we're doing. And I was like, yo, that's fucking cool that you guys like, I thought that, and they, this band just lives down the freeway from me. You know, they're, they're in Santa Ana. I'm in Westminster. And they kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I asked my kid who's 18 and super into punk. I was like, Hey, if, do you know these guys? Like, cause she's, She's uh hipped me to a few local bands too, and um she had never heard of it either. So it really did come out of nowhere. If you're into that orange county like early 80s, Rick Agnew yeah. Rick, like, Ag- Rick Agnew is the yeah. the name <laughs> thrown around a lot. Yo, yeah. like she, she even my 18-year-old was like, they're called bloodstains, and they're <laughs> from Orange County, and I'm like, yeah, and she's like does it sound like it? Do You think it sounds? And I'm like, yeah, it does. It's yeah. Just like- but it's
2: cool. It's one of those things where it's actually cool. Sometimes you have like that eye roll where you're like, oh, really? This yeah. is the band name you're from. Right. But this, I don't know what it is, but it just it gets it gets a
0: pass. It's cool.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Agreed. All right. Well, should we? Do we have any other bit no? of bows? Let's jump in. What do you got, Jason?
1: Bit of bow joint custody dc.com check them out they have good shirts good record store in dc uh john from give he runs the youth crew 88 instagram and also friend and they are a great record store check them out cool all right let's
0: jump into
1: the youth of today
0: seven inch To kick it yeah yo we are here today with our dear friends sammy and parmananda dasa aka porcel and we're here to talk about the youth of today self-titled seven inch which is commonly known as disengage right so welcome guys what's going on so glad to be here what, what number of rev is this 17. Rev 17. So we are in the 1990s. As of shelter perfection of desire, we're in the 90s. And I always, I talked about this on the last episode, in my head, Rev 22, which is the burn seven inch, right? I always thought that that was like the corner that was turned between what I say is high school and college. But we talked last week and we think that Perfection of Desire is actually where that turn goes because bands stopped being that normal kind of youth crew or New York hardcore sound. And things started to get a little bit more melodic. There's like sleigh bells thrown in. There's different ideas thrown in. And now you're in 90s hardcore. And I think that, that having the Shelter 7-inch as the next record is kind of it goes along in that theme because it does sound different than every other youth of today record um and so we wanted to kind of talk today especially about the timeline right Mm. uh greg what do you what do you want to say about that
2: so i i always assumed that this record was done like posthumously like i i to me this is like the youth of today salad days seven inch like it's like Cause the shelter record catalog, catalog wise is before this, but also just like, I'm trying to think of the timeline youth of today from what I remembered reading in like the bold, um, summer journal and stuff that shining life did was that youth of today played the last show in like California in 89 on that bold tour. I think Ray even like flew out, like he was coming back from India or maybe, you know, from wherever came, did the show. That was it. But then this comes out, uh, this was recorded, um, I don't know if it says exactly when it was recorded, like on here, but I always assumed it was recorded after that. Yeah, or it, just was it says
0: 1990. It or was it recorded before
2: the last show?
3: It was, it was definitely recorded afterwards. At least the vocals were. Um, because I remember Ray was already on his whole Krishna thing, and it was really hard to even track him down and he would come into the when he did his vocals he would come in the studio he had like a Prabhupada shirt on and like a sika like I think he even had t-lock so he was definitely living in the temple we we recorded the vocals on that it's actually from like two or three or maybe even four different sessions and we and and we just kind of pieced them together and you know created the vocal track which is why there's a big difference between like the screamy stuff and the melodic stuff. Because the first time that we went in there, he was so Christianed out that he didn't want to scream. And so the whole record, you know, all the songs on the record, he just kind of sang them. And, you know, he was already, I, I think he was probably already doing shelter at the time. He was starting to develop like a, a more kind of singy thing to his vocals. And so he came in and he just sang the whole thing. And it was kind of nice you know and got a disengagement you know but it wasn't youth today it wasn't youth today so me and Don Fury were really disheartened and it was it was very strange too because uh, Ray had just kind of left you know we did that <clears throat> we did that you know European tour he went he joined the temple and there was a real kind of disconnect like where the hell is this guy's head at? You know, he just joined the cults, you know, as far as we were concerned, like he just joined the cult now he's wearing weird orange clothes. He's got a like shaved head. Like what the hell's going on with this guy? We hadn't really talked to him for months. Sammy, were you there when he did the vocals?
4: I don't think I was. Um, I kind of have him bouncing off the walls. Like maybe, maybe one session. I do remember him kind of like running back and forth, like in the room, but, uh, but, it's it's kind of vague
3: yeah that was the last session i think that first set i I think most of the vocals it was just me and don fury and him i don't think you and walter yeah i mean to your
4: point like it was yeah it was definitely a strange time he had built up this huge wall us against you know him against us us against him uh that european tour in 89 and so going into that record um yeah, it was tricky. It was a weird time. I guess we broke up, so it was just a strange time for the band. I have a quick question. When was the No Compromise 7-inch recorded, like Sharon Ogre and Free Will? Was that, around, was that before Disengage or after?
3: It had to have been after, I'm thinking.
2: I know it was yeah. 90. So it was sometime in 90. It came out in 90. It was the Equal Vision number one. Because um, my question was going to be, so obviously now we know, you know, Porcel, you're, you're now a devotee, you're Parmananda, like we said, Sammy, you know, you've played with Shelter. Um, but back then, and we asked this to Jordan, but what, what, what was it like for you guys being like, here's our friend? And even Ray said like, yo, nobody loved hardcore more than me. He's like, I was so into hardcore, you know, so into this scene. So then to see this, you guys are in your, you know, in in, uh, Porcell's case, you're like your early twenties, Sam, you're still a teenager then. Like, what was it like to see, you know, now it's, we know that it's not really nearly a a big deal, but back then, especially at the
4: time it really, I mean, I, I joined my favorite band. So I was a huge youth today fan Mike left. I got to join the band. I'm finally in Youth Today. I'm side by side. Used to open for Youth Today. All I, you know, I was like 12 or 13, like listening to Can't Close My Eyes and Break Down the Walls. So to join the band was amazing. To tour in 88, you know, was great, but like, you know, and then 89, as Capo kind of got into um, to Krishna, like it was, you know, it was a bummer. It was super depressing. Like I was such a huge Youth Today fan for that, you know, uh, what in my mind was like Youth Today, you know, 87, 88, how it should always be. But as an adult now looking back, like you have to evolve. And so for Capo to kind of have the the balls to sort of do that is pretty impressive. And you think of what came from it with Shelter and all the great music that came from that. And, you know, the reality is, is that Youth Today started in like 85. So that's a great, that's a huge you know, that's five or six years of, of being a band. Um
2: right. And when you're when you're that young, that's a big chunk of time.
4: Yes, yeah, so I was young and I, I didn't totally get it and I was I was bummed. I mean, you know, we uh yeah, like we we you know, we thought at the time, unfortunately, you know, we thought Krishna was the enemy. Like it was like, what is this? It's taking our friend away, it's breaking up our band. Um and you know, I was getting more for myself, I was getting more into music. We were getting better. We were starting judge, we were doing all this stuff and thinking about the disengaged seven inch, like the songwriting is, is is kind of evolved for us at the time. You know, I think Purcell, you wrote uh, Envy, and you could hear, like, judge elements in that. And Walter Absolutely. wrote Engage, and you could hear Walter's kind of, like, melodic, you know, songwriting ability. And, um, you know, I was dabbling with, like, double bass drum pedal and, like, trying to do that. And so it was, you know, I thought we were just hitting our stride, but unfortunately we, you know, that was the end. So before
2: Porcell answers, I wanted to say... Is it true too? And this can maybe play into your response, uh, Parmananda, uh, that you said today was offered a contract with MCA Records in '89, like around the time he went on the European tour. I I'd seen maybe that was in the Burning Fight interview with um, We We never we never ever got close
3: to being signed by MCA, but Michael Alago, who signed Metallica, you know, there's that. There's a, actually a Netflix documentary on them. Who the fuck is that guy? It's called, you know, he signed white zombie. He signed Metallica. Who else? Is he? he signed a lot of like really, you know, bands that went on to become huge. So one day I, I'm, I'm at schism HQ and the phone rings. I pick up the phone. He's like, hi, this is, uh, this is Michael Alago from MCA. Re- I think it was Electra records. Actually, was
4: it? It was uni. It was like a subsidiary of MCA called uni because I think, um, it was MCA uni. Cause we went up there and he gave us, I remember he gave us Eric bean Rakim Father leader, 12 inch or something. I'm pretty sure it was, it was a label called uni, but he might've yeah. touched on other, well, he, labels. he
3: originally worked for, he originally worked for Electra. I think he signed Metallica to Electra. Yeah. And I get this phone call and it's like, hi, my name is Michael Alago. I'm from MCA records. Um, you know, I want to, you know, I want to uh, have a meeting. I really, you know, I'm interested in your band youth today. I saw you guys at CBG because I was completely blown away. And you got to understand, we used to make so many prank phone calls back then. It was freaking ridiculous. We would have Mm -hmm. prank phone call parties. We had one of those like little suction cup things with the mini plug on the other end where you could like record the phone calls onto your boom box. And we used to just make prank phone calls. Tom Capone, we get all those Beyond guys, and we used to just record them and we used to just spend like days just laughing at these prank phone calls. Dan O'Mahony, we used to prank Jules all the time. <laughs> he, used get, he used to get super pissed. We would say, like, Jules, fuck side by side. I want to fucking fight you. And Jules, to his credit, would always be like, fuck you! I'll meet you fucking anywhere! Let's prank the fucking street! I fucking hate you guys! And we were just listening to those prank phone all day and just laugh our asses off. And so when I got that call, I was like, okay, now somebody's pranking me. And I remember I was even thinking, I even said something on the phone like, fucking Arthur! Is this you, man? Like, who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out it was legit. And We actually went up there. I remember Capo wasn't around, but me, Walter, and Sammy went up to uh, MCA and it was like, you know, legit record label thing, you know, platinum records all over the walls. You know, it was super impressive. Um, But the whole time I couldn't really take it seriously. Like a major label is going to sign youth today. Like, why would they ever do that?
4: I remember sitting there listening. I think we listened to We're on the Salone, you know, in in the office with him, right? Yeah. And like, it just, you know, that record, it just sounded so chaotic. And Michael's just like, yeah, this is great. Like.
3: <laughs> well, you know what was interesting, too? He goes, I'm going to play you guys something that I'm thinking about signing. What do you think of this? And he put on the Cro-Mag's Best Wishes album that had mm. just been recorded. Nobody had even heard it. I think we were probably one of the first people to ever hear it. And it starts out with Death Camps with, like, the drums and everything. And he played yeah. Death Camps and he turns it off. He goes, what do you guys think of that? And I was like, that's the best song I ever heard you should sign that band immediately. And he goes, guess who it is? I said, who? He goes, the Chrome Cause I didn't recognize it because Harley was singing, but I guess, you know, he wanted to sign the Chrome So I guess he was semi-serious about trying to sign a bunch of, you know, bands that were heavier music, but and no, nothing ever came from it.
2: But, but like, we did you leave. You knew the potential is what I'm saying is like, so at this yeah. time it seemed like youth to take was like, at this like apex i guess is is what i was trying to get at with the signing and then all of a sudden ray is gone so yeah. as someone who's been in a band i can't imagine when you think like you're right at like the cusp of you know breaking through or whatever
3: you know that is that's a really good point because heavy music was starting to get really big it was starting to become like mainstream and at the time when ray quit you today like sammy was saying like musically we were at our best it's like you take youth to today like you know break down the walls and then all of us had become you know by 1989 we had become way better musicians way better musicians way better songwriters sammy was just like crushing it on the drums um you know so just (laughs) musically you know we were we were way better than we used to be and when walter wrote disengage I remember thinking like, wow, this is such a great song. This could be a great direction for the band. And I remember thinking like, how cool would it be if we did a whole album like this? Like it would still be hardcore, but like a little bit more progressive and a little bit more musical. And so things, you know, when he quit the band, it almost seemed like it was at the height of our popularity. The band was firing on all cylinders. We we had one song that was going to be like a prototype for like moving into like a whole not like a new direction, but, you know, bringing in different stuff it's a little elements more mature.
4: That, yeah,
3: a little more mature. And I mean, even, even yeah. the,
4: the, the, lyrical content, like, um, you know, I guess like, When I Was Alone was sort of a, an evolution for, for Capo, but even like, that Partridge Family cover that's on, well, it's not on Disengage, but it was, it was recorded during that session, One Night Stand. Um, you know, that's just where Capo's head was at, too, and I think, which yes, it could have made for, uh, an interesting album. You know, I think to take, to take what we're not so long left off and to kind of keep going with it. Um, I
2: yeah, always said if, if this came out as an LP, like disengage, it would be an absolute classic. Like it would be to me, an LP of songs like this seven inch would be, people would be talking about it just like they talk about start today, just like they talk about bringing it down. Um, Cause I really liked the direction uh, you know, where things were going with this, even though this was the first youth of today I actually heard, I I worked backwards, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it would have been freaking sick. Like, yeah, it's like
3: one of those, it's it's like one of those things that would have been great, but never happened. Like a second Gorilla Biscuits LP that never happened. That would have been great. Inside Um, out LP. Inside out LP. If we made that into a whole record, I think it would have been really interesting and, and great. Altercation, but, you know, LP. altercation lp <laughs>
4: uh
3: the beyond demo as an lp that
0: would have been great <laughs> on schism uh, records yeah
3: but you know it just didn't happen and you know ray just went off and he you know it's not like the information age that we have now and i think what what brings up fear in people's minds is just uncertainty you know what i mean and we didn't know what the Christians were about. We had no idea. It's not like you can go on Google, Ari Krishna, and Krishna.com comes up, and you can read a bunch of stuff. The only thing that we knew about the Krishnas were the Cro-Mags were, were into Krishna. And the cro were just about the scariest dudes <laughs> in the whole entire scene. So it's just like, this is dangerous. This is weird. You know, we didn't know what to make of it. So when yeah. he just kind of disappeared, and then when he – I remember when he came back for that first vocal session – hadn't seen him in months. It seemed like, it seemed like years, but it was only a few months, but he was so changed as a person. Mm-hmm. He came back in, he was very kind of like namaste. And like I said, he had T-lock on, he had a shaved head and uh, he just sang the whole thing kind of like very reservedly. And I looked at Don Fury and I was like, man, this is just not gonna fly for youth today. Like th- we we can't, we can't do this. And so he came in again, and he was still kind of like all namaste, namaste, Ray. But he kind of kicked it up a little bit. And finally, like the third session, I went in and he started the whole thing again. And I was just like, Capo, you can't do this. Like this is youth of today. You got to freaking dig deep. You got to get passionate about this stuff. I was like, and you know, one one of the biggest concerns of mine was actually what the lyrics were going to be like. You know, because here comes Kappa with the T-lock on. I'm thinking, like, every song's going to be like, Krishna, I love you. Or, you
2: know, who knows what he was going to write about. Because he was in the early stages, too, where... Yeah, you know, had uh, yeah, uh, new Bhakta. Yeah, uh, then we... New Bhakta syndrome. the <laughs> syndrome, where it's like, you kind of go through that period where it's just like, you know, that's... You, you have a sort of a different mindset. Like, like, you guys have both talked about how it's almost like you didn't, um, you know... Ray had mentioned, Raganoff mentioned, we talked to him, I believe in the shelter episode about, you know, not even really understanding the message of Bhagavad Gita that like you, it's, it's about the consciousness in which you do things, not like renouncing. And he was at the stage, I think, where he thought like probably was like thinking, I can't do this. I'm actually surprised in hindsight that he did this record. It must've been that kind of shows that still deep down, he had a love for all you guys to do it because you know, it seems like the kind of thing where, Maybe he wouldn't have done it.
3: You know, I think he was probably this close away not to doing it because it was so hard to get him into the studio. You know, he canceled like a whole bunch of times he was supposed to come in. I really thought this isn't going to happen. And we had already had the music recorded, and I loved the music. Like, I thought the music was just, like, incredible. I thought the recording sounded good. I was really happy with the guitar sounds and the drum sounds. So I really i really pushed him to do it like every single time i could even come close to getting in touch with him i was like please we got to finish this record come down do it and that first time he came in you know that was one of my biggest concerns of what the lyrics were going to be and then don fury always wanted to have the lyrics written down so he could kind of follow along so he could punch in and out so me and don fury were at the um were at the board and he said, Ray, do you have a copy of the lyrics? And Ray went through his notebook, and he kind of like ripped out copies of the lyrics, and he put them down. And I was just like, okay, here we go. Like, oh, my God, this could be a disaster. And I read the lyrics to Disengage, and I was super impressed by them. They're amazing like, I thought amazing they had a lyrics. little bit of Krishna tinge to them. A little bit, yeah. But I was like, wow, Ray Capo did it again with freaking incredible lyrics, And then I went through, I read envy, you know, I read modern love story. I was like, okay, this is great. And that's when I knew like, this could actually be really good. So when he just kind of sang them, you know, it it was, it was disheartening to me because I could tell like with these lyrics and with this music, like if he just turned into Ray today, it would be an amazing record. So that, that last session I just went in and I was just like, look, Ray, these lyrics are great. You're just going up to the mic and you're singing them. I was like, sing these damn lyrics like you mean them. Like these are meaningful lyrics. Put all of your passion, put all of your energy and sing these things like you would in like Youth of Today. And I don't know what kind of switch flipped in his head, but he was like, you're right. You're right. I love these lyrics. These lyrics deserve me to like give, to give my all. And I I promise you, I'm going to give everything that I had. And Don Fury gave him a handheld mic. And he said, Ray, you just pretend you're at a show. You can run around this room. And I don't know what freaking got into that guy. But he turned into Ray today. He had the handheld mic. And he was literally running around the studio. And he was jumping off the walls and kind of doing these, like, you ever see in UFC? (laughs) They, like, run across the cage and then, they like, kick somebody. He was running across the walls while he sang. And that's actually, like, if you listen to it, like, on those parts where he really screams, it kind of dips in and out, like, a little bit. Uh, it's because he had that handheld mic and he, and he was just kind of, you know, going nuts. And that's when we actually captured like, you know, whatever the, you know, the 75% of the vocals that we use. And then we actually mixed in some of the more singy songy stuff and it just, it sounded awesome. I thought,
4: mm-hmm. but, but we
3: got a good take out of him. It was good.
4: Yeah. I think I also too, coming off that. So if that was like probably what September, October of 1990, like so, or something like that. But coming off that Youth Today tour in Europe in 89, you know, two and a half months in Europe, I think we were all also kind of getting used to the unpredictable vibes of Ray, you know, because you never knew what you were going to get. And some of those shows were insane. You know, he would like, you know, just be like level 10 capo. And other ones, I mean, he always brought it, he never did not bring it, but there, it was just always hard to get. Um, you know, is he going to be fully crushing it out this show or not, you know, and, and, or is he, you know, rave today that we're sort of used to. So I, it was just such a crazy time. And it's interesting looking back, like you said, like not much time had passed. I mean, summer of 88, Europe in 89, you know, disengage EP. But I guess when you're that age too, like things, you know, the difference between 17 and 18 is huge. Difference between 18 and 19 is huge. So like just the, the amount of uh, growth, I think, that we all did and that changes and stuff that he w- was going through um, that just happened in that small time period is, is pretty wild. Yeah, you know, it is true because sometimes on that tour,
3: he would be total <laughs> namaste, Ray. He'd have his notebook. Yeah. He wouldn't say much. He'd be chanting. And then other times we'd be playing foosball and he'd be like, suck it. That's right. where the whole Chung King Suck yeah. It thing came. Was Capo saying Suck It when he would get a point in football?
4: Yeah, I do declare so, Suck It. Yeah, it was a weird transitional
3: period for him of still being like you know buds with us, but trying to you know really get serious about his you know I think, life.
4: and from a creative you know standpoint, I think that's also where you get interesting stuff. Looking back, I mean that we were talking earlier about that first Shelter album. That's really interesting because he was in these different worlds. You know, he was messing with drum machines. He was, you know, there's sleigh bells on it, like you were saying, and the disengaged seven inch too. Like you get this. It's great that he found this new voice. You know, that, I think that's what that's part of what makes that seven inch or that EP, you know, special, is that he's screaming and he's singing. And I mean, thank God he ended up screaming. And you guys worked with him, but, but yeah, that that uh, you know, that rub is what I think it helped the creativity a lot around that time.
0: It sounds yeah. like this whole thing is, it's a real growing up experience. You know, this, the, the time around the recording of this and <laughs> almost like, you know, in envy when his voice cracks, I love that. It's yeah. so cool, but that's yeah. like, like, growing. Like, you talk about boys growing up and their voice changed. That's, like, kind of symbolic of the whole thing. Like, he's still growing. He's growing into this new person. Um, Musically, this seven-inch is a growth from every other record. Like, think of the music. The music just on this record versus Can't Close My Eyes and how, like, primitive that was. And Ray called it a thrash record. And then you got disengage which is so like mature and there's melody to it it's a little bit slower in tempo it's not just like balls out thrash well except modern love stories yeah modern love stories but just like specifically the song disengage right um now porcel did you have any other material written in that vein where you're like this is going to be the next youth of today record or when you saw that youth of today was, you know, the, the demise of youth of today coming, were you like, okay, I'm going to make another record with a band, and it's going to sound like disengaged? Like, did you did you want to hold on to that sound and and keep going? Um, I wanted
3: to, but at the, you know, I remember, you know, we, you know, when we came back from uh, from that '89 tour, you know, we barely even. I don't even think we practiced once. Did we practice? I mean, like, I think everything just kind of stopped.
4: 89, and then uh, 90 was the Fender show in California. And uh,
2: no, 89 was the, the youth of today was, was on that Oh, the, the bold zine says 89.
0: Yeah, Ed, Edge Fest or whatever it's called. I think it was 90 because I talked to Igby about it. Wait, it Youth Bef-
2: of, are we talking Youth of Today?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I didn't think Youth of Today played in 1990 because that was the year the Shelter and Inside Out did the – Well, I think photo I have that that show, of- that, last,
3: that last show had to be in 89 because that was the bold tour.
0: Okay. I mean, you guys would know better than that when well, I wasn't or- – I yeah. <laughs> all I know, you know Igby, Igby wanted to make a uh, 30th anniversary of that or whatever. He was we were talking about trying to get all those bands together to do a reunion of that exact lineup and then the world shut down and we couldn't even do it. So it, it was either 2019 or 2020. Honestly, the wor- the everything's a fucking blur right now, so I couldn't right. even tell you but yeah, yeah.
2: cuz I thought it was the in the the Bold 89 tour talks about Ray flying out, doing the show, because then Judge, because this is where I guess what I wanted to know too about Timeline, Judge is recording in 89, right, for bringing it down? Yeah. Cause, and bringing it down catalog-wise catalog comes before this or Shelter, and then Shelter does the tour in 19, spring of 90 with Quicksand, Inside Out, Shelter. So that okay. was where I was like, I don't know. But somewhere we saw that Youth of Today played a show in 1992, a few songs in like, where was
1: it, Jason, Denver? That's right, in Denver.
2: On, and it must have been when Shelter was touring. Yeah. It said Youth of Today played a couple, like Vic, Vic DeCaro wrote about it in his book, like just as a real quick aside, like, you know, his journals. And he's like, hey, Youth of Today played four songs. And this was not City Gardens either. You should be able to which have
0: like a lifeline, I was in the you know, like a like a lifeline.
4: Yeah, I'd like to use my lifeline, please. Yeah, we we'll, need to
0: institute uh, that. Call according, a- to the, according to the internet, this was Friday, August fourth, nineteen eighty-nine. Okay. The yeah, H- I, think think that, I think that I think I think it was bold eighty-nine. Gorilla biscuits, underdog. Ooh, that, that is judge a chain of strength at Fenders. Fenders, which is by the way now a Holiday Inn in downtown Long Beach. That yeah. so what the Is, hell
4: were we doing the summer of 1990? There was a GB tour, maybe they did. We didn't do that, but like what, what were Judge, we
3: doing, Judge? Okay,
4: oh, yeah, yeah, that was that, that, was that tour. Judge tour.
3: Well, you know, just to kind of answer that question though, you know, when we got back from that 1989 European tour, it was like all momentum on Youth Today just stopped. It just stopped. I think Walter was like, you know, doing gorilla biscuits and moondog and just you know putting his energy elsewhere and i think we just kind of put our energy into judge it just didn't I, like i can't even remember you get today even practicing once like maybe we practiced a couple of times for that last show but it's like you know we went from you know the band was our entire life like literally it had just taken over our life every day you know we were you know either practicing or putting something together or like you know, booking tours, or booking shows. And then we got back and it was like nothing. Ray was gone. Uh, and it, it was disheartening for me because I remember when we, um, you know, we wrote all those Disengaged songs like very quickly. Uh, it was at Sammy's house. I remember when Walter came in, you know, sometimes you work on a song and you have it and you change it and the band works on it together. And, you know, Walter just came in and he said, Hey, I got this new song. What do you think about it? It's a little bit different. And he had the whole entire disengaged song exactly as it is on the record. And he played it with the whole dance, 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 dan, you know, everything. And it was just like a masterpiece. And I remember thinking like, what a great song. Mm-hmm. We should move in that direction. And it just never happened. It never even nearly happened. We wrote like, those three songs. That was all the three songs that we had. And then we just you know, said, okay, let, we, we have these three songs. We might as well record them.
2: One of the great hardcore crimes of all the <laughs> past 40 years is the fact yeah. that there's not a full record like this. But I think there's something cool Although about it just some...
1: being a seven-inch, you know? And it's, yeah, I, you it's, know, I it's think it, like salad days. But sorry, go ahead. It, was, it really I is. Think
3: it, I think it was a good period at the end of the sentence. You know what I mean? Just those three songs. The cover didn't even say Youth of Today on it. Just had Love a really that. cool lot. It was just, I mean, it doesn't, was re- is it the
4: last... Isn't the last lyric? Doesn't Capital go stop? Is the last enough. song Envy and the last lyric is stop? Enough. Enough. Oh, enough! Right. With like
1: that cool like uh, echo on it, also, which is hard to pull off in hardcore songs, and that's make it seem echo. cool. But that's like yeah. the number one reference point for it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It, was, it was a good way to end. I thought. I'm. I'm looking back on it. I'm happy with it.
0: Let's talk about the artwork for this record because it is very striking. Um, the cover doesn't say the name of the band anywhere. It's just a photo. And so you're flipping through the seven inches and you're like, I mean, it looks fucking cool and I would yeah. want to pick this up, but it, it didn't have the logo on the front, which was like a huge part of branding yesterday and today. You know, it's like you want that that logo out there and it just doesn't exist. On I the thought front it was cover. a judge
2: seven inch when, mm-hmm. when I got, I was like, oh, this is like a, like when my friend had it and i looked and you know uh parmananda's wearing the the judge shirt and i remembered thinking oh that's a cool way to show cuz i had known the name judge and uh yeah it is very interesting that there's nothing.
3: you know i kind i i i fought jordan tooth and nail not to have the name youth today on it and he was like we got to we got to awesome. do something we got to put we got to put a sticker we got to like you know if, if a person's flipping through 7 inches they're just not going to know what it is and i was just like it's such a great dramatic bold picture. I don't want. I don't want the name on it anywhere. Yeah. And it was a huge debate. He begged me <laughs> for months. But you know something? I'm so glad that that's how the record is. Oh I yeah. Agree. That plain
4: picture. So is that photo from color. the? Is that photo from the Stone? The show we did yeah, seven from, seconds. It's,
3: yeah, it's from the Stone. Oh, which was a huge a rock club. There's a huge rock club in Northern California. It's where Metallica started. That, that was like their CBGBs, mm-hmm. So oh, were played wow. Stone all the time. And Jason and it was a great said, club with a great sound system. And all the sloth crew came up. Yeah. And we had such an, and it was an awesome show. It was so great. Like all you can even see a bunch of the sloth crew guys in the, in the front row there.
1: In the and picture. Jason, you asked
0: about, was it unit pride up front too?
1: Yeah. Someone said that unit pride was up front in yeah. the photo to the side. Oh, but yeah is Ray jumping off a drum riser or is that just natural height?
4: Probably natural height. I think it's, um, I have some video from that show. So I think that's just him doing his thing. Yeah. I think it is just a regular jump.
3: It's such a great picture. It is. I saw
4: that picture. I was like, man, this picture just speaks for itself. Like,
3: let's just have the picture on the cover.
0: Yeah. You can't see anybody's in the band's face directly on. And Mm -hmm. just with like the, the black and white, it is very striking and it's artistic, but it's also fucking hardcore. You know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah. th- that, imagine how many kids tried to jump that high and, <laughs> and, and were like practicing <laughs> and failed of, miserably, practicing off of little trampolines in their yard yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting.
4: And, I, is it, the, is it a restraining order? Is that the band that, that Oh had
0: a yeah. It's pretty someone similar. Had, yeah.
4: Yeah. Someone had a record that was sort of similar. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the back cover was done at my dad's house where we would rehearse. on 11th I wanted Street. to ask about that. The, like. I think it's interesting too, like the fashion that like we sort of talk about a little bit,
0: like the shoes. I mean, Capo was always sort of uh, pushing the envelope. Well, but Jason like- uh, Jason has, me and Jason, this week I went to Rev and yeah. I, <laughs> I opened up the envelope for the artwork and I found the handwritten notes that Porcel had written to Jordan about uh, the insert. And there was something about Ray's outfit. Jason, what was it?
1: It said, well, it said please direct your attention to... Ray's shoes, he was just getting ready for soccer practice. Yeah. <laughs> and then it even has the best part of it is it even has like a hand drawing of that photo, and then it's got like a little underlined squiggle underneath Ray's shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and then also mustache. and, like and me, then also the, the drawing the most, of the
0: mustache. The most striking part of that was s- soccer practice? Like, like they look like <laughs> what? You guys are in a, in a in a
3: soccer league or something? What's going on here? Well, what what they were, they were they weren't Doc Martin's. They were kind of like, like they they. I think they were club shoes. I don't think they were exactly Doc Martens, but they were like kind of chunky, like club shoes, and they yeah. almost looked like cleats. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it was like a joke. Names on actually maybe they, this, maybe obviously.
3: they were. I think they were Doc Martens, but they but they had like the the, the chunky soles on that looked like cleats. They were like black soles.
2: And it yeah. looks like... And he's
3: wearing them with sweatpants. I thought
2: that was <laughs> interesting. Socks. Yeah. It's, with such the socks. A look.
0: it's such it, a look.
2: It looks like he's wearing a Unit Pride shirt, uh, at least. I mean, and of course, this is how much we're on our screens. I tried to pinch the record and blow it off.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was wow. like,
2: I was like, why can't I? But it looks to me like, because Unit Pride, I know, had a, shirts with the pocket
0: print. Um, Sammy's wearing the White Awake shirt. And it's funny yeah. because Sammy and... Ray are looking at the camera, and then Wally and Porcel are looking at Ray. Like yeah, well, we he was making this guy. He
3: was making jokes the whole time. Like if you <laughs> actually see the contact sheet, we're, uh, we're all we stopped, dying we stopped, laughing. Uh,
4: in, internal jokes about like thinking, you know, not being able to think for yourself, like doing what Ray does. So the joke when that picture came out was, "Yeah, yeah, what Ray says," and like whoever's looking at Ray was basically like, "Yeah, whatever Ray says." <laughs> um. So that was I don't know. I remember laughing about that a lot. Like, Capo's
3: a funny guy, man. He's he's <laughs> like people that don't know Ray Capo thinks he like he's like Mr. Serious because of Shelter. Oh, but yeah. The guy is freaking hilarious. So he was cracking totally. us up the whole time. we were mostly laughing. But yeah, yeah, that's a great picture too. Al Brown took that picture.
2: Yeah, I love. I was always like kind of captivated by the picture because again, especially because of race fashion i remember at the time like whoa like this is kind of crazy but he
4: worked i mean maybe not at that photo but he or maybe he was i don't know like a lot of you know he and a lot of different folks from the scene all worked at nightclubs so he was you know working at the tunnel but maybe that was years earlier
1: no that was around the same time me and him worked at the tunnel right so it's a black and white it's a black and white layout but then you have that color insert of the live shot is it what can you tell us about putting I don't that all the together? Persons.
0: Mine doesn't have it. No, Mine just on the, it. on the first press. Yeah, on the first and press, and press. I'm sorry. In the, in the notes, Porcel writes that it has never been done before, right? It yeah. It was like a new thing.
1: And you uh, want to do I, it
0: – and it's actually – the quote is, uh, do it in color before in effect does it. Like you wanted to, to beat them to the punch.
3: Yeah, because it was such a good color picture. And Jordan was cool about it. Jordan's like, well, this is gonna, you know, color at the time to print, you know, back then was like just crazy, crazy yeah. expensive. And uh, Jordan was actually pretty cool about it. he's like, well, it's gonna make it twice as expensive. <laughs> but let's do it. <laughs> but it was a cool picture. I thought it deserved to be in color. Yeah, I, don't know. I think later on he he made it in black and white, didn't he? Something, something yeah,
2: it, he black and white. I mean, I have a much newer pressing because I had this on CD back, you know, when I first got it. But I tell
3: you, if you ever actually see that full picture, it's a really cool picture of Richie. Actually, like the the full picture is much longer, and Richie it, it's a picture of early picture of you today from Gilman Street, and mm-hmm. Richie is just like, and he's got like a hockey jersey on or something. <laughs> and so Richie's like this, but we had to cut out Richie because he wasn't in the band. But it's actually, a, if you ever see the original pictures of like Richie looks really cool. You got to seek a, that out. The picture is almost of Richie, actually.
1: Am I crazy? I think the Breakdown the Walls European Press has that photo. I, you it, might be right. Yeah. About one. I yeah. think it does because Ray's wearing mm. that maroon seven-second shirt, which I always looked at the insert and was like, is that an official seven-second shirt? Is that a homemade no. one that he did? Is that it was a, a
3: home, it was a homemade one that Daniel Mahoney made. That's awesome. Mm. And it had the handprint. It said seven seconds. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's the dude with the mustache in the crowd. Yeah. It always looked kind of like my dad. And I remember what being it like. What does
4: say on the, uh, on the Matrix? Do you have a first pressing? What does it say on the Matrix? I don't have a first pressing,
2: but uh, it looks like the Matrix says uh, the washout sessions. Okay, let me about?
0: let me read. Uh, that um, wasn't a, that wasn't on the original one. Let no, me read Borsell's on notes from uh, to Jordan. Full color. It's never been done before, so let's do it before Ineffect does. Plus, it'll be cool when people take home their ba- black and white record. Only be surprised to find a color insert. Have it fold out three times. Also enclosed, find a color picture of Ray kicking some kid in the head. Use it for the entire one side of the sheet. No border. No words. Crop it right above Ray's head, but don't crop the side so the picture looks nice and long. I know, I wanted to cut the guy with the mustache too, but it'll ruin the effect.
4: (laughs) That's funny.
3: (laughs) I wonder who that guy is, if he's listening. I remember him from the show, he's just some random, like, older dude with a mustache, but he was in the pit, like... He, he, He's
2: serious, he, was, like, he seriously, like seriously, that's out. how my dad looked in 1990.
1: But I always liked that because yeah. it looked like a real. To me, it looked, it looked like, like, like a, a real show. show. It yeah. Like, yeah, it looks or like a show. I was like, that makes it look more. Authentic. It looks
0: European, to be honest. If I'm uh, to be yeah. real, it looks <laughs> like it looks like like you're in Italy or something. In, in and the, then there's right. yeah.
2: and then there's the pictures on the inside too that I always, you know, from first g- getting the record, like yeah, those were
3: great pictures too. Yeah, when first saw Sammy looks like a like a Justin Bieber kind of. Kid model yes. type dude. Yeah, and who's who's <laughs> in the
0: picture with Sammy? Uh,
2: it's cropped out of the layout, but yeah, I remember seeing him being Sam like, right is Sammy
4: um, my I age? Matt Bold, I think Matt Bow might have been next to me. He was sitting on the couch somewhere. Yeah, you're
3: sitting was on the couch. at one of the Sloth crew guys' house. I think it was at Bob Hardigree's house. Yeah, yeah it does
0: look like uh, maybe Sundahl. And then She's there's the, the picture of uh, Porcel in the van with the Embrace shirt. Yes, because uh, I had just gotten into
2: Embrace at that point, and I was, like, stoked. I was like, oh, awesome. Like, because you know, I was a, in, like, eighth That was grade. an Embrace
3: shirt that, um, that Al Brown made, and he only made two. Mm. Oh, nice. And so me and him had that shirt. What's cool, cool about shirt. that T-shirt
4: is that I, yeah, I had, uh, I had that shirt, and I guess I outgrew it. And then there was this woman that my mom was friends with, and she had a younger kid. My mom gave her some of my shirts and then one day this kid, like this random kid, came over to my house and he had that embrace shirt on. That's wow, pretty right.
2: It's I always <laughs> thought that was cool. And then like I remembered always wondering and it took me like 20 years to find out what book, uh, you know, that Raghunath's holding. Teachings now, of
0: Lord Chaitanya. Yeah,
2: which now um, Javier yeah. and I both have copies of and we, and, we took a funny picture. Uh, in
0: the full picture, it looks like Ray's got either a tape recorder or a boombox. In front of him too, sitting in the van. Uh, maybe that was the van sound system, and and then the photo of Wally uh, with the shaved head and no shirt, and then uh, Ray's actually next to him, also like only wearing shorts. And in yeah. uh, in the notes, it says that to to keep Ray's head in there in the photo in the back. It just like you guys just look so young and fresh face and <laughs> like but also you're on the road and you could tell like, uh, this, I'm tired, man. Like (laughs) the look on some of your faces is just like, man, I just want to like sleep in a bed. I think
4: a lot of those photos are from, um, that 88 tour. I had a camera, like an Olympus, you know, 35 millimeter. And I, I have, I have that roll of film somewhere, but a lot of those photos of like, you know, the graffiti van Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's a lot of good ones with Kappa with the Mohawk. I'm pretty sure that's the yeah. same photo thing from uh, of Walter's photo.
1: Hey, I got a question for a modern love story. Who does the backups on the, what I see? That's Walter? Yeah. Sounds young, man. Yeah. yeah. That's, cool. that's cool. And that was probably Walter's
0: first foray into singing.
3: <laughs> I doing those
0: backups. And I, in the insert, it says you had some other all-stars. On the backup session, you had Gus Straight Edge. Uh, you had the Drum Machine, aka Dylan trifles on there. Um, and then it says Max. Yeah.
3: Yeah, skin, Skinhead Max. Max Wilker. Love that guy.
2: Then there's this picture <laughs> as well on the label. Yeah, with the. Yeah, with Ray right with the mohawk, the van, that, that and in
0: Cleveland. The Confront tag. Yeah. Yeah, it says also in the in those artwork notes that you really wanted to use that photo of Ray with the Mohawk somewhere. Like it had to be included in this record. It's cool that Jordan kept all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. um, There's, I mean, I'm so lucky that I have access to this stuff and I can just kind of walk in. And at this point I know where everything is. I know where, you know the some of the cd inserts are and the record inserts and just being able to touch this stuff and the fact that it's still intact like the um the tracing paper you know to, to go over the inserts and all that stuff and uh we have a good friend named jim rice who is studying to be a like a professional librarian right maybe like a master's in in library sciences or something and he was like yo this stuff has to be properly cataloged you got to start putting this stuff in like mylar sleeves and like everything in order so um sammy maybe me and you one of these days will have an initiative to get this stuff properly i have a lot of photos
4: i do have a lot of photos of that stuff from i guess when anthony Papalardo was doing his Uh book um yeah. he sent me a dropbox link to that which is it's cool because some of those layouts are in there but yeah definitely you got to um you know he's got it in that that little closet of his so i think he's got it. it might need a little more than that but um
0: yeah and when i go in i just shoot photos with my phone um but i know there's also a, a light box there so maybe i'll start doing some professional I love putting, cataloging I love those,
4: but those those notes per cell are so cool because like, i so saw that cool. from the the dropbox link that i have too of just like yeah, I guess no internet and just, you have to give direction. And I think it's so, you know, I'm kind of into like, uh, looking back to like just the creative process of this stuff and the fact that, you know, Purcell, you produced a lot of those records. And then you're the direction with the, um, yeah, the artwork too. It's just cool. The fact that you can like, you know, you were on the East coast and Jordan was probably on the West coast at that time. And just being able to like convey that to them. Yeah,
3: and you, the know you know, what's you know, it's cool too, because there's no, uh, there's no like JPEG
0: preview that you get. Yeah. right. You can't send a screenshot. You know, you I, I, check I saw
3: the seven inch when it came out. You know, and then when right. it came out, I was like, wow, it looks so cool because like bringing it know, down just, too. Yeah, yeah. You just have an idea in your head uh-huh. of what you want it to look like, and then when you actually get it, and you kind of see, you know, your ideas about how you wanted to put it together kind of actually come together. It's a it's a whole different thing. It's really cool.
1: I mean, <laughs> Jordan did a great job. You did a great job with the notes also, but I was. I, it's just funny that everything that's like interesting and strange about the layout you had made notes of and aware of. Mm-hmm. And then that cover shot being the full seven inch, I think that was just a awesome move on your yeah. part. Kudos too. to yeah. you. Like I said, yeah, I, I I'm
2: eye for design because this is a, a, a really snazzy looking record. Like I, I think I, it's, I like it too. I think it's yeah. one of our best. I think it, you
4: know, it's cool too, is that it captures the sense of humor. Like you were saying earlier about, about Capo and about the band is that, there really was uh, obviously like a very serious, you know, message with youth of today, but there's also this sense of humor. And I think with Capo's Mohawk and like, you know, some of those photos, am I mind the tree reading the book, uh, writing my notebook in that, in this one? What
3: was that from? Remember that
4: picture of you in the tree? Yeah. What is that from? I thought that was from disengage.
2: No, this, you have the, the no, youth of today it. hoodie on, which I've never seen. Oh, right. that. I don't know if I've ever seen that.
4: Was that an, I think we,
3: we used that picture on one of the lost and found judge releases.
4: Mm. Okay. Right. Right. It's yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, it, but that, uh, the, you know, the, the photo cap with the Mohawk and stuff,
0: I think it does. And even the back cover, it captures that sense of humor. And also some punk, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. you guys were like straight edge, hardcore youth crew or whatever, but you're still fucking punk at the, at the heart of it. And you, you know, especially that photo of, uh, Walter and Ray hanging out of the van, like with the graffiti, with the Mohawk, like it's, and, and the photo from Gilman, like it still looks punk.
4: I love that about Youth today. I mean, now more so, I mean, back then I just wanted youth crew straight edge all the time, but, but now I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, youth today played with JFA that we played with aggression that we played with like the angry Samoans, like you know, and even now when we play these weird festivals, it just kind of works. I think we have something this summer in Italy with DRI, and it just oh, nice. kind of, it just sort of works. It's like, sure, yeah, you Day and DRI, where, you know, maybe Judge might not work as well with, with that kind of stuff. But when um, I was a
2: kid, I didn't want, I was the same way. Like, I was like, I didn't want to know about Youth Today playing with, you know, punk bands. And I thought it was cool. Like, you guys did a, a bunch of, a, I think, a bunch of shows with Soul right? Yeah. Yeah. I like, love that band, but you know, at the time I'd be like, Why are they playing with Soulside? Like, that's cool. Well, we, we made friends with them the first time Youth of the Day played Nine Thirty mm. Club
3: on the Can't Close My Eyes tour. We played with Lunch Meat, which was the guys from Soulside's previous band. And we just kind of became friends with those guys and hit it off with them. So we played a bunch of shows with That's them because awesome. we were just friendly with them.
2: Yeah, I've been on a big kick, and I was like, this is kind of cool, like Soul Side Youth of Today. Um. Um, and we played a bunch of shows with
3: uh, – I don't think we – I don't know if we actually played a show with Dag Nasty, but we were friends with Dag Nasty because we had met Roger in New York – way before Rod, that. the bass player Roger was in Dag Nasty – me and Ray met him when we first moved to the city. We met him at like Free Being Records or something like that. And he was buying hardcore records. We we're like, Hey, you're into hardcore. You know, back then you just met somebody that's yeah. hardcore. You instantly became friends with him. We invited him back to our house on Fifteenth Street and we'd like hung out with Roger. And then one time when we uh when we played DC, Sammy, were you in the band and we all stayed at Dagnasty house?
2: I don't think so. No. It might have been on the Breakdown of the Wall stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know, and two, two-thirds two of the hosts on here are stoked on that. <laughs> yeah, we, it was, it, we already really, know who's yeah. – <laughs> It was
3: really cool. We stayed at Dag Nasty House, and, like, Brian Baker was playing me all the new Dag Nasty riffs. Um, I, you that know, had to be like crazy amazed. for you
2: because I know you love Minor Threat too. You're like, we're here with the dude from Minor Threat and Dag Nasty. You know, he was
3: so uh, – he
2: was just such a kind of just laid back, cool
3: guy that immediately, like when I first walked in, it was like, wow, you know, Brian Baker from minor threat, but he instantly just was like super cool and just super chill with us. That
2: Yeah. He seems
3: like that. I've we, seen, we just became friends with him.
2: Uh, where he, he had a, he had a cooking, he was doing some cooking pasta sauce recently for like something. And it was really funny. Real quick. One final thing, I guess, before we, you guys youth of today now, after all these years, like Sam mentioned this summer, uh, you know, Krishna willing, uh, will play, uh, some shows. Um, and it's this lineup, this, this lineup, which I have to say no disrespect to other youth of today lineups. I love Richie and Craig and drew, but this is my favorite youth of today lineup. We're yeah, sure. on this alone and the seven inch. Are there ever, that urge when you guys get in a room has anyone ever brought in like a riff and been like hey why don't we because you know it happens even though it's been a long time talking
4: about like we, we played in uh we played Gilman I guess about a year ago or something and we got an Airbnb we were all just stayed up late talking one night and we were talking about new music and we were actually talking about kind of DRI like that that thrash beat that fast like uh you know element and um just like yeah, it was an interesting conversation i mean i don't know if we're, you know uh if the, i don't know about the realities of doing anything but like it was just fun talking about like or going or you know just going down that that road mentally of like what would you know musically what would it be like but um yeah Soulside side had talk, a talk new seven inch in 2020 <laughs> Should Should we talk a, about uh, it it's just you know it's, it's 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 a it's an ongoing conversation with a lot of those bands it's like does the world really need a new judge record or new youth today record new shelter record? I don't know, but maybe it, it all comes down to just, um, you know, even kind of the way it came about the first time around, it's like, it's not like it was really, it was, there's a spontaneous element to a lot of it. So I think it would probably have to happen in the same kind of way.
0: Judge uh, youth of you know, today split seven inch.
4: You know, you know, as far
0: as for me,
3: I just really would not want to do any more youth today material i think you know youth today was such like lightning in a bottle for a time when we were all just kind of like young and trying to figure it out and capo was just like a mountain of energy you know jumping around like you know that's really what made youth today great you know what i mean i'm just not so sure that we could recapture that as middle-aged men yeah, I would be stoked to do like new shelter material. I would even be interested in doing new judge material. Just to those would you know, make more judge sense. Judge and shelter, we have. Yeah, you know, musically we could, you know, there was a little bit more to work with there. You know, youth of today was a real kind of like formulaic thing, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I would want to do it again.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and for the I, record, I, I, I'm not necessarily. Could, saying... I don't think
4: we could recapture it.
2: Yeah, I'm not even saying to do like i'm not like i want a new youth of today record but yeah
4: i think your question was like do you guys ever talk about it so that was sort yeah, of like sparked just... it, but i don't think um you know i, I agree with Priscilla. it's a tough one to to think about and and um you know the idea of even new projects is more exciting a little bit than, yeah. than kind of that but well you two guys should do a new project together personally. yeah dude he's my favorite uh musician buddy dude <laughs> I we should actually. We should and do the. Do well, maybe the,
2: like... we'll. Maybe we'll.
4: Maybe
3: we'll do some new shelter stuff. That would be. Yeah. cool Yeah. Yeah. Because that never. I thought the never surrender. Sammy, stuff Sammy adds a well. real. Sam. Sammy adds like a real kind of. Cool vibe to shelter. You know, almost like a kind of jazzy thing, which is I interesting. Think I, I think, you know, even that lineup with, cool
4: with Casey as well um, and Madhu. And like, Madhu, yeah. But the Casey brings, like, to me, Casey brings everything because he's got, like, this musicianship, but he also has this scary, kind of, like, scary shelter, Krishna, older dude vibe, which I like <laughs> in, in a great way. I mean that with the best in the best way. <laughs> All I, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll say one thing
3: about Casey. That dude is a monster he bass is. player. He
4: is. he is, and he, he sings. He's freaking incredible. Yeah, he's yeah, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, seeing sing, seeing you guitar. guys
0: play that last shelter, the last time you toured, and with Madhu and Krishna Chaitanya, Sammy, it sounds great. And um, when you guys, especially Madhu and Krishna Chaitanya, doing the um, uh singing like everybody in harmony, yeah. it sounds so cool, man. Yeah. We put a lot of of
4: work into it, man. Those guys are
0: great singers.
3: But
2: I was going to say, you know, you do a new project, because like I said, even though Sammy wasn't on there, like the Never Surrender stuff, I thought kicked ass. Like, if you did something like that, have Sammy drum, I think it would be pretty killer. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Jason,
0: what do you got?
1: Yeah, going back to the 7-inch, where does this rank in your youth of today release list i was gonna
0: ask the same thing like you got let's see you you got all the records because we're basically at the end of the youth of today journey here yeah you know, we got the one night stand seven inch but that's way later but you got from demo mm-hmm. can't close my eyes uh, break down the walls um we're not in the salon, self-titled seven inch you put all those on the floor in front of you and someone says hey you got to put one on right now and grab it which one are you grabbing for
3: I mean, it's easy for me. I'll put Break Down the Walls right at the top. (laughs) I mean, that record is just incredible. You know, that's one of my favorite records. Like, I listen to that, you know, I rarely listen to my own music. Like, rarely. I'll put on Break Down the Walls, and I'll be (laughs) moshing around the room. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I just love those songs. Number two, I would put Disengage. You know, only I would only put We're Not This Alone number three just because I don't like the recording. Like... If we had really captured a real kind of like tight recording on that, that might have even been number one. I, I but, think you know, that, for, I, I think Sammy probably feels the same way. Like when we listen yeah. to it, it's a little bit like, oh. Uh, what did you, you think
2: know? about the Rev remix though in '97? That did sort of. I'm not saying one superior or not, but it did sort of tighten it up a bit. I felt. Well, yeah, are we, we, we going to we, do we, that?
0: We're going to do that episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll just beep
2: this out. Beep.
3: <laughs>
0: Redacted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we try. We tried our best, but uh I think personally that's your best record. Not. Not my favorite. I think that's your best record, and and I think it's because of the songs, and not. Yeah. You know, the recording. I I like that it's raw. I love the original Caroline mix, but I think that that's your best collection of, of songs as well. Personally,
3: I, I I really like the songs. You know, just personally as a musician, it's a little bit like, ugh. It kind of gets to me a little bit. What do you Sammy, think, what Sammy? about you?
4: I think I, I got to go with you on Break Down the Walls. I mean, the way that it hit me at the time was just, it was so heavy. And like, even now, uh, where I'm at now, looking back, like those songs are so, they're the ones that I kind of, it, I mean, I like playing them all in different ways, but I really appreciate Like, even the more kind of, like, Odyssey songs, like Shout It and Free It Last, these, like, just crazy, like, uh, from, you know, musically, um, yeah, they're just such wild, like, arrangements and such trippy songs. Uh, Yeah, Shout It. Um, But then Capital's Voice, too, at the time, was just so over the top. They're all really special, and that's the cool thing about that band. They're all very different. Can't Close My Eyes, given that it came out in, what, 86 or something, like, um, th- like that's amazing that 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 music came out. I mean, the expectations and those songs. Oh yeah, as soon as the guitar and expectations starts, you're... yeah, like positive outlook is like you know that's a cl- like it's a classic tune. As is breaks on the walls, I don't know. They're all really interesting, um, but break down the walls maybe is number one. Disengage. I would, I would be curious to open the the tape if we could ever find it and just hear what's going on. I think it does sound good. I guess coming off Warren of salone it's it's not that hard. To beat that recording but like i'd be curious if disengage could be tweaked from a mix standpoint to just i'd be curious what's going on there like um
0: There's, as good uh, as sound, could, on, could it sound be isn't is on youtube um tim tim mcmahon pointed this out to us that there is a version on youtube with the different vocals right it's is that it's not considered the demo is it or is it just different it, vocal
3: it's tapes? Probably, it, it's probably a t- it's probably a tape, a cassette. Did you say know Kaliuga or something? Like that, Jason, right? Jason, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at
1: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was Don I think just Don Fury tapes that had One Night Stand, and it kind of floated around and was traded amongst people, and so that's why I heard. That's where I first heard One Night Stand, and then the different takes of Ray. I think doing. A vocal session. Like trying it's out it, kids,
3: it, it's you know, probably just a rough mix that I took home from, from those mm-hmm. early sessions. I would, like I said, it, it was like, it was at least two, maybe like three vocal sessions that we did to get that final vocal
1: mix. Yeah.
0: Should we do hot tracks? Yeah. Jason, I'm going on you
1: first. What's your hot track? Disengage. Song's awesome. Lyrics are awesome. And there's that break where Ray says, I think it's keep it going or here we go. Keep, yeah, it, keep going. it going, keep it going. It's like, for some reason, it just you can feel that passion and energy in the studio of like, I'm gonna fucking do this, and this is it for youth of today. That's always how I interpret it, at least so. Yeah,
0: Love and that, that was song. just kind of him ad libbing, and then just kept it in in the song, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was he was telling Don Fury to keep
3: the
1: tape rolling because he mm-hmm. wanted it's to be like, the end. like it's like
4: Jay Z or something, you know. He's, yeah. Uh, Turn yeah. me up in the headphones.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then and then the note bends at the end of the song also were just yes. killer. So it's like My Bloody Valentine Youth of Today feel. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, Greg, what about you? Hot track.
2: Oh, I gotta go second. Yep. Um, I'm just going Listen in order. Mm-hmm. First Youth of Today song I ever heard. Um, I think it's a perfect hardcore song. I think it's. I mean if I was trying to introduce someone to hardcore this would be right up there as a song mm-hmm. with a you know my starter back mm-hmm. and a and a gorilla biscuit song mm-hmm. um it's I love the lyrics I love the the music like you said the guitar bends and stuff and it has like I'm a sucker for melody like I the first hardcore stuff I heard was all the DC stuff so like I kind of got into everything from that. And the youth crew, you are crazy, Javier. <laughs> I, I, I can't look at you right now. He's making faces, so all that stuff. And it kind of like this had a little bit of that feel to the point where when I first heard break down the walls, I was like, is this the same singer? Because his voice mm, sounds so different. Yeah. But yeah, disengage all the way. I was in a band that covered it. It was super fun to play. And,
0: um, it says just a perfect hardcore song. Sammy, what's your hot track?
4: I mean, from a playing drum standpoint, I think it's envy. is just like a, it's like a, you know, a little more challenging or a little more, um, you know, kind of heavy. But a disengage as a song is, yeah, is is a one of those two. Um, those those were always my my, my standouts.
1: Hmm.
0: Porcel, what's your hot track for the seven inch? Yeah,
4: I, I'm with
3: you guys. I'm going with disengage. Great song. I loved it from the first time Walter played it. He had the whole song. And, you know, it's funny because Walter didn't really, he didn't write, you know, all that many Youth Today songs. But the ones that he wrote were great. Great songwriter. Yeah. What other ones were there? Do you remember? He wrote
4: Choose to Be, which um, is like one of my favorite Youth Today songs. Choose to yeah. Be. Um, Keep put it, it up.
3: It, and Put It Aside. We all kind of wrote uh, put it, uh, Keep It Up.
2: Well, Put It Aside. I don't want to give hot tracks. Put anyways. It Aside.
0: Well, I'm just going to go ahead and make it a slam dunk and say that Disengage is also my hot track. Um, I saw Shelter play this song in 93 on the the Better Way tour, and uh, the place just fucking exploded. Like everyone was so stoked. And um, it left such an impression. Where was that? At uh, the Eight and a Half Club in Fullerton. It was uh, Shelter 108. Trigger Man, which mm. is a shout out to Joe Nelson. Yeah, Joe Nelson. And uh, it, man, like that show just left such an impression on my entire life, straight up, like uh, seeing Horse Parmananda come out and blow the conch for 108s uh, <laughs> and seeing Shelter and like I was, what, 16, something like that. And just directly up front against the stage for the whole show, It was just, everyone was like larger than life. It was so big. And then to close the entire show with Disengaged, man, like, and it's still to this day, you know, seeing Youth of Today play Disengaged, seeing the lineup on this record. I love watching Walter play bass, man. He just looks like he's having so much fun. Almost like singing the words sometimes more than he's actually playing the song because he's so into it. And um, I think that I've seen that Youth of Today lineup, like, man, four or five times now. Since, oh, man, I need, to, I yeah. need some more I like all the since, uh, since the This Is Hardcore, um, man. It's, the This Is Hardcore set was magical. I'm mean, well, Javier, you know, we were top, like... Top five sets that I've ever
2: seen absolutely. in my life. And, Straight and up so fun. I think that this record fits in with Shelter, too, which is cool. Like, doing Disengage... Totally makes sense. I to think me, it's kind it of was a bridge. sort
0: of the, uh, it's a bridge yeah, between what? bringing it down and perfection of desire. Almost mm-hmm. like it does have some of those like judge kind of chords. And like, you guys are talking about the like note bending, like kind of the octaves at the yeah. end and a little bit bigger production. than um, we're not in this alone, obviously. So it does kind of, it fits along with bringing it down to me.
3: Well, I was totally in the bringing it down songwriting mode when I wrote Envy. I mean, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell. It's probably the heaviest
2: use that they saw. song.
0: Yeah, you could have just... The lyrics uh, for that are Ray's, great. Ray's too. not going to sing on this. Here, Mike, I got this song for you. It's called uh, Envy. You yeah. Know
2: what I mean? No, the lyrics are, are <laughs> classic capo. I love the lyrics of, of Envy. Um, I mean, I love them. all the lyrics on this record are excellent. But Envy is cool. I think it's, it, hits, it, uh, it hits hard for a lot of people.
0: Well, uh, the next time that we're going to talk to the two of you, hopefully, will be for the Judge, 7-inch. Uh, there will be quiet. Uh, maybe we could see if we could get Moose on there and Lars. Mike Judge, get the whole band, perhaps. But, um, man, I'm so well, it wouldn't high.
2: be Moose, then. wouldn't it be, it'd be Matt
0: Pincus, right? It would be Pincus, yeah. Oh, I yeah, know. Pincus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie didn't play on the. that. I forget it. I always just – I associate – Charlie with Judge so much at this point. Have you guys
4: have you guys chatted yeah. with Don Fury at all? I feel like Don would add some interesting perspective. He said
2: uh last year, because now we're in 2021, he did say, hit me up in the new year. So mm-hmm. we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh man, I'm just so stoked that we get to talk, you know, about this kind of stuff. It's like it's it's been noted that this podcast is just a bunch of friends. Sitting around talking about hardcore, and this conversation could be happening without the the tape rolling. This yeah. could be like after a gig, just us sitting around on couches talking about hardcore. And yeah, like th- this could be just an actual regular
3: conversation we'd have at Veggie totally. Grill.
0: I'm <laughs> on my, I <laughs> my couch here at 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 you know 11 p.m. Whatever. Like this is. Uh, this is cool. I'm super. I'm super, super grateful that I got to talk to my friends about hardcore efforts yeah, that I love.
4: Thanks for doing it, man. My phone's gonna die, so I'm, I'm gonna jump. But um, yeah, perfect you, time. Thank you guys for doing this, man. And thank you. We'll be to in touch, and we'll now. send you the grant. I'll send. I'll text you the grant. <laughs>
0: This I'm gonna keep it rolling. Keep it going. <laughs> keep, keep it going. going. Keep it keep going. going. I love that. Okay. Dude, that shit gets me
1: so pumped. This is like, you, Greg, you referenced Seinfeld. You know on Seinfeld where the dude stops to listen to that one part of the song and he has to stop completely what he's doing? Yeah. This is, that's for me, disengaged.
2: Was it the Maestro? Yes.
1: Yeah. I anyway, maestro. I'll be right.
2: I figured we, this was dead air and then we come back and do the, we didn't come back yet.
0: Okay.
1: That's bullshit.
0: <laughs> oh, let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. So, uh, anyway, um, you know what? One thing that I was I didn't get to ask is on the cover photo. Okay, um, Walter is playing a Rickenbacker bass, and that's a, a kind of a strange flex. Yeah. In what year do you th- did we decide what year this was taken? Uh, been 89, 89. Right? yeah that's a weird flex because those bases are they're heavy first of all they don't look like something a hardcore band would play um i think the f- you know the first one i ever saw maybe was like uh justin pearson played one in uh in the L- struggle Okay. And then in the okay. Lo, in the early days of the locust. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever picked one of those bad boys up, but they are like, like when I say heavy, I don't mean like it sounds heavy. I mean they're physically heavy to pick up. Yeah. Um, so it's possible, I guess, that he just borrowed that from someone because I don't think I've ever seen another photo of Walter
1: playing a Rickenbacker bass. I gotta say, good eye because I'm just blinded by Ray.
0: Yeah, I mean, that these are the these Ray are the minutiae that you know that we now are, get to get into because you look at these photos at face value, or just like we said, flipping through, and you're just like, yeah. oh yeah, it's a cool photo. And then, you know, in the record aficionado book, and in the photo that I took uh, of the actual photo, it, it shows the whole scene from the uh, the cover photo, and on the on the cover you know, a lot of the faces are kind of like blurred and obscured, but then when you get the bigger picture, like, I'm like, Oh yeah, that does look like Eric Ozanine or I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his last name, like, um, and the dude with like the flipped up bike hat. And you're saying how it's unit pride and there's sloth crew guys in there. Um, You know, that is pretty, pretty interesting. That uh, you get the bigger picture, and then of course Ray with the uh, the Vans. I know that Ray and Porcel are huge fans of Vans. Which in my old age now, I think Vans are like one of the worst things <laughs> that you can wear. They just I hurt my fans. feet. I do. I love the way they look. Don't I get me them. wrong. I, I'm currently wearing Vans with a camouflage pants and a warthog shirt. So I'm not really one to talk. But uh, I. It does give a little bit of like the West Coast flair yeah. to, to that East Coast, and and a little bit more punk, right?
1: I'm surprised they didn't try to use that for a campaign shot.
0: Vans, well, yeah. you know, uh, um, when, so Vans has a, d- a couple different tiers. They've got the regular ones that you could just get at the mall, and then they've got um, another tier, and then the highest tier is called Vault, and. There's only a few shoe stores across the country that sell Vans Vault. They actually started 2020 because everything shifted to online. They started offering Vans Vault stuff to the, the public through the web store. And a lot of times the Vans Vault things, they're made with more premium materials, They're collaborations with different artists. They're very limited. Like this is the kind of stuff where people are standing in line at seven o'clock in the morning because there's only a hundred pairs available or whatever. So where I'm going with this is a few years ago, there's a shoe store in Costa Mesa, California called blends. And it's one of those shoe stores where they keep the shoes in like refrigerators, you know, it looks like a supermarket refrigerators. And they had an installation of Vans hardcore stuff uh, where oh. they they bought like they brought in photos of youth of today and they had like a chain leak fence and they like put the stuff in and it was super artistic looking. It looked like, um, you know, a gallery show. This might have been around the time where they did the Gorilla Biscuits. That's what I was going to say. Fans. Um, but, you know, I've known a lot of people who've worked at Vans over the years and there are a lot of hardcore kids. There's a lot of punk kids. Uh, the singer of the band Bent Blue Who's from Orange County um, and San Diego? Our dude Vikeshwar, is in that band, and um, he works at Vans. Um, so they—they they have had, of course, warp Tour with Punk. You know, Vans has had a very strong um, relationship with Punk over the years. So it's—they no had Grow Biscuits,
1: Sick of It All, Bad Religion, I own Descendants, Vans, Suicidal I own... Tendencies, yeah, Suicidal Tendencies, Bad uh, Brains, the Bad Brains.
0: <laughs> There's ones that are bad brains, and then there's ones that are bad brains, supreme, and yeah. vans together. And those shoes immediately got gobbled up by hype beasts and were, you know, two, three hundred dollars like uh, this was when those came out, I was working for a store called Commissary in Costa Mesa that sold like supreme, original fake. Okay. um, Dave's quality meats, stuff like that. So I was like immersed in that world at the time. And I saw, I was like, Oh, those, the I remember the first time I saw a kid walking around with the green bad brains. And I think those are the ones I actually that have, own those. are those the ones that have Coptic times yes, on the heel. And I was like, Oh my God, those are so sick. And he's like, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know what a bad brain is. I just <laughs> got them because they're supreme. And I was like, okay, culture vulture. Yeah. Vulture. Are we... Yeah, we're this, recording, we're, man. Yeah, we're... We're, we're going. We're this going. is going strong. Yeah, we're going.
1: But what does this have to do with of today? The, hey, the cover <laughs> shot with Ray jumping, shot. looking cool <laughs> as shit. And he's got the... And you can see those uh, the bottom the of his shoes, yeah. which are obviously youth Vans.
0: Of youth of Today loves Vans. And so we started talking so we about it and we love Fair you on. today. And you were gone we, and you we, couldn't we, control the conversation anyway. So we were just like, Me and Jason are gonna talk about fashion. Okay? Wait, what do you mean I can't control the conversation? <laughs> we're gonna go off the <laughs> oh, wall. Right. We all we all know that Jason's the brains of this operation anyway. I didn't mean Lord you, help us. I didn't mean that you control us. <laughs> I just meant like you couldn't rein it in and be like, All right, guys, let's talk about music right, here for a second.
2: That's fine. Just uh all right. Uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I'm I'm never gonna drink again during a recording. Yeah, you should Any liquids?
1: Yeah, not wow. alcohol. Don't worry. No, I always go crazy. That's why I get up to go to the bathroom two to three times when we have the long interviews.
2: Seltzer. Yeah. I'm all about that seltzer. Okay. But anyway, youth of today, disengage seven inch. I don't. I feel like I kind of already have given my personal yeah, we, connection to it. Like yeah. I don't. I don't feel the need to rehash too much. Like I, cause I feel like this is one of those records that's so important that it's come up multiple times Yeah, uh, for me. So I don't do you remember really the first time,
0: do you remember the first time that you heard this? Because I do. Yes. Yeah, let's
2: hear uh, My, uh, so a friend of mine, you know, we were getting to hardcore in eighth grade, end of eighth grade. And I guess... He had some seven inches and we would like trade and you know, borrow or just hanging out his house. It was one of those things where I didn't own this for a long time because I didn't really need to. You know, I was always with my my friend Rich. And I remember he had the seven inch, and the first thing that jumped out at me was the Judge shirt, because I had known the name Judge Mm -hmm. um, before Youth of Today. And I remembered hearing it, and like I said, this this scratches me where I itch as far as hardcore goes. Um, Because it's fast, but it has melody. And uh, I was immediately drawn to it. And I thought, this is cool. So I remember getting... Br- the first Youth of Today I ever bought was Break Down the Walls, the, the Rev version. the Not the 97, because this, this was before 97. Like the, you know, the one with the blue, blue and yellow cover. Yeah. Blue and yellow. And uh, like I've said before, I was like, is this a different singer? Because... The record sounded so different to me. Um, now I can see, you can see the progression, but when you're listening out of order, it was jarring. But Disengage has just always been a song I've just loved. Go Time covered it, and it was, like I said, it was super fun to play.
1: Oh, hey, did your band, did uh, One Up get your name from Envy?
2: No. The song?
1: Okay. But I remembered seeing that in there and being
2: like, nice. One Up was... uh. It was definitely a joke, like video game reference.
1: Okay. I thought it was funny. Donnie,
2: Donnie was super into Nintendo at the time. So my friend was like, you need to pick like a Nintendo theme name. And we picked that, but quickly I, I learned too that Project X was originally going to be called One Up. That's um, weird. So I was like, all right, we'll take this. But yeah, no, I, saw, I remember seeing that in the lyrics and being like,
1: oh, nice. Yeah. And we didn't get into the specifics of the, uh, the background in the lyrics for Envy. But I mean, just in case anyone says, well, why didn't they talk about the lyrics for Envy and, you know, the supposed...
2: Only you are the one thinking that, honestly. You Don't think so?
1: All right. Yeah. Well, a bit of both of the two or three people <laughs> that also were wondering why we didn't get to that. But
2: To me, see, I guess, I guess my take, this is an interesting point, is, and we've all written lyrics, I think all three of us here. To me, sometimes maybe you think it's about a specific person
4: mm-hmm.
2: and... It's just in general, in some ways, you could see Envy as Raghunov writing it about himself, like trying to like, you know, he's he's getting into spirituality. Um, He is at that weird point where you're like kind of he's like teetering between both worlds, like they said, like one minute playing, you know, uh, I forget what it was already in the interview of the football or soccer or something. Soccer. Soccer. One minute you're playing soccer and saying suck it and the next minute you're namaste and, you know, T-lock and, and stuff. And I think maybe that was always kind of how I took it as like he was sort of almost writing this to himself as like, you know, the Enough. whole thing like, I'm sorry yeah. it's got a hold of me. Enough.
0: I never yeah. I never thought that Envy was about it, – it didn't seem like a finger point to me. It oh, seemed right. like um, – Will I ever will I ever see humility and will it ever manifest in me? He's not saying, Are you gonna be humble and pointing at a group of people? It, it does seem like he's just taking a look at the scene in general yeah. and, and competition. I mean, Gorillabiscuits saying about competition as well. So it was like kind of a thing that was out there, but he's turning this now, he's uh, what is it? Cheto Darpinum marginum. He's like trying to cleanse the dust from the mirror of his heart. And That's
2: kind of how I saw this. This is a real um, transitional record for him because he had done the shelter perfection and then came back, you know, shelter was, that was supposed to be his last hurrah, but he records this. We confirmed this was done after uh, the shelter. And to me, all these lyrics are very, spiritual yeah if you really like read them and but uh, also
0: like a neophyte's view of spirituality like he's just starting to to comprehend some of these ideals and thoughts and stuff and when you do start that process it's very introspective and he's In his early 20s at this time, you start to mellow out. He's lived a lot. He's been around the world. And so you could tell he was, he said in the Perfection of Desire episode, he was hiding out kind of at his mom's house and, you know, writing a lot and reading a lot. And uh, it it starts to show, especially in these lyrics.
2: Agreed. And I think like these lyrics really show the direction of where he ended up going with uh with shelter
1: but in the episode on this episode that we just played greg and Hob, you said both said that you would want an lp of these songs sure but i would want i think the seven inch is perfect it's three songs and it just seems like this awesome bookend to a great band it is the but I like lyrics it, it, enough. It, could have,
2: it could have been a bookend but it also could have been a new beginning. Like a new yeah, that way. like it could have been like um Okay, I see
1: your point there. You know,
2: like a like a a I don't want to say turning point cuz yeah. I'm cuz I'm not and not the band loved turning point, but it could have been a next chapter. Like this could have been a taste of what was to come. But then you get these bands like do 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 we need Youth of today to be sick of it all and have twelve LPs like no, no. so I see both sides, but I do think maybe if this yeah, it I was like a time to move, it
0: was just time to move on. It was time, yeah, to because 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 look at on.
2: the early Shelter stuff that we got after this is freaking great. Yeah, so yeah. it's like we if if Youth of Today did a full length like this, then maybe we wouldn't have gotten you know attaining the Supreme, which I love, or those early seven inches.
1: Is this a hot take? It might be a hot take. I'm not sure. I think that the lyrics on the Disengaged 7-inch are more spiritual than the lyrics on Perfection of Desire. Am I wrong in thinking that? That it kind of raises that awareness? Well, it's it's after
2: that. So, you know, maybe he learns a little more. Like Javier said, when you first get into spirituality and specifically Krishna consciousness, there's so so much information to disseminate and depending on the type of person you are how old you are when you get into it there's so many factors See, you're if saying
1: it, that and i'm thinking about the lyrics to the shelter songs and how many words are in those songs mm, you know do right. I mean? you know what i mean there's so many words he's trying to get so much information out but i think that the disengaged evidence is just simplistic easy to understand and then it also can relate to you can apply it to your life in many different areas if you're not a spiritual person.
2: Yeah, I, I, I can see that. It's a little more universal.
1: There you go. Universal. But also like,
2: like also it's, it's a little, since it's more universal, I think it casts a wider net and, and more people can relate. There you Although go. I think perfection desire has a lot of stuff that anyone can relate to, which, you know, we talked about if, if people haven't listened yeah. listen to
1: episode 16, but, um, I don't think that's too hot of a take. Okay. You and Hob are wordsmiths. I just have a, I don't know what I have. My hammer. I'm just banging on shit and trying to get out my points. But yeah. But no,
2: that's- I, 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 I totally get. And like I said, it with, with, um, bhakti yoga, a matter of a few months, you can just learn so much more mm-hmm. than you knew, you know,
0: when you first. Yeah, and, and, having, into it. and having teachers and people exactly. hanging out with you and talking like. Man, it's really hard to, and I've had people reach out to me since the shelter episode and be like, there's no temple in my area. What books should I read? And I'm like, yo, with YouTube right now, you can listen to anything. You can listen to songs and uh, watch temple programs. You can watch live, you can watch discussions, but you really have to learn from someone to be able to navigate this stuff. It's not meant to do really... alone at all we're not
2: in this alone yeah we're not in this alone but it's it's true so and i think this kind of dovetails into you know people that have reached out to us about um krishna consciousness which is awesome and just know that always ask questions because you're always going to learn because if you Mm -hmm. if you look at probably the early interviews with um rugging off. like he was just kind of figuring out
0: everything yeah like and i can't, like you said can't it, blame him it was
2: 1988 89 yeah. he wasn't going on the internet Different he world. wasn't listening to podcasts like he had the books he had if he happened to talk to someone at the temple
0: yeah
2: and that was it
1: yeah jason when did you yeah. when did you hear hear this i think this is probably the this is now the third time i brought this up but i had this tape that someone gave to me uh i was working at a restaurant and uh, someone said, Hey, you like hardcore, you should check this out. And on that tape was the bold seven inch. It was the, what holds us apart seven inch. And then it was disengage. And I just love disengage so much. The same way that I love chain. I love disengage. just the same. For some reason, this youth of a day record, it's just my favorite. And I talked about it briefly, but there's just something about the vocal delivery on the record that seems so urgent. And it also just seems like very real. You know, know. I think that this record, now that you
0: point it out, it does sound similar to Chain of Strength. Yeah, it does. It does. It's it's a little bit more mature than some of that, you know, thrash, what they're calling thrash slash youth crew stuff. Mm -hmm. There's more melody, the bass. The bass playing on this. The seven bass sounds inch sick is huge. on Disengage. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about that. And
2: I didn't know. I'll be honest. I didn't know that Walter wrote Disengage. Okay. I just kind of assumed that. Um,
1: you know, I didn't either.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, on, Hoffa, wrote,
1: at, at a rev, at the rev. What was that? Rev twenty five. They tried to get Walter to sing it. Oh, really? Yeah. They said Walter wrote this song, so why don't we get him up here to sing it? And, and he, he said was, that, he wasn't happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't happen. But that's when I learned that. That he wrote, disengaged, but oh, then did nice. yeah, didn't and that's the year that Quicksand played that like secret Ugh. set, right?
0: Yeah, and so he probably didn't want Jason blow his, in the video. You can see out. my happiness in the video <laughs> because I couldn't literal, believe it was happening. Literal ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, I was pumped um, on that for sure. Which
2: we'll I, let's we'll save that for uh, yeah next episode. But, but but they
1: keep the voice crack in envy.
0: Oh my god, that I love it. So and, fucking and, cool. Uh, you know, I I pointed out that there's a similar voice crack on Perfection of Desire. And I, I, always, I love that voice crack at the yeah. at the end of Envy Man. It just sounds so
1: real and raw, yeah. and um, it's. Would people. you say punk? I think kind of punkish. I don't know. There's something about the vocal delivery. I that made me really: to emo. Latch it's this. almost
2: e- like I said there to me. There's a there's a DC.
0: Yeah, I r- can see more like you
2: And is it has it? Did it creep in because Porcel's wearing a an embrace embracer? shirt? I Maybe don't know. so. Maybe yeah. that's in my psyche, but to me, this is definitely the most as, as emo as youth of today ever got. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's, I think, why some people don't like this seven inch because mm-hmm. there are some people that say it's too melodic. Because yeah, yeah, it is not. It's
2: not. just funny because like this isn't going to be played on the radio, right? <laughs> like like <laughs> it's a, hardcore people that say something's too melodic always cracks me up because.
0: It's like, <laughs> It's not well, Michael Jackson, you know. You know, it was pointed out to us that Revelation started out as a New York hardcore record label. And with Perfection of Desire, and now with this seven inch, it really starts to move away from that. Yeah. It doesn't sound like everything else. Like it's
1: it, right. is, it doesn't it, sound it, like growing up breakdown or
0: whatever. I would agree.
1: Forgive me for the backpedal. And you're crazy. <laughs> Forgive me for the backpedal. Did we say that this is the start of the college years, or is the next record perfection. quicksand seven inch? Yep. Okay. We said perfection. perfection is. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I mean I like I said, I always kind of thought that it was burn. And I thought that because judge and youth of today are slipped in there. Right. Ah, so I was right. like, so I was like, yeah, quicksand does come before the judge seven inch and before the inside out seven inch, but you got youth of today and judge in there. But yeah, really it it's Perfection of Desire is them shipping off to
1: college. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. if, you, I'm with if that. you
2: think about it, like even the stuff that uh, the bands that already had released stuff 15 and back, you know, going back, you know, Youth of Today and Judge I'm talking about, this is their most progressive stuff. The Judge Storm 7-inch is their most progressive stuff, which yeah. we'll talk about soon. But so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think the Shelter is a perfect like demarcation of where it
1: changed, where it went. Where it went. Isn't it funny? This dude just gave me this tape that said, oh, you like hardcore. You'd probably be into these bands. And then here we are. I know. Like well, years even... and years later. I mean,
0: same. Th- th- so I have literally almost the same story with how I heard this too, is like, there was a skater named Queen Yen and he was an amateur. He rode for, Oh God, was it, color skateboards oh yeah I remember them. yeah and and like maybe channel one back in the day so he was uh one of the dudes who helped introduce me to hardcore and he gave me this tape and it was taped over another tape so you could <laughs> when disengage comes on and you hear the bass you hear whatever was on there before and this tape had I still have it actually, which is fucking crazy because I think this is like 90 or 91. This predates me going to a gig at this point. So it's probably 91 actually. And so the tape is like youth of today, seven inch, uh, this band called neck deep, which was from here that was like friends with function and black spot and all those bands. And then like an infest seven inch was recorded on there. And like, maybe downcast and econo christ so it was like a real mix of fucking nine early 90s hardcore
2: and that was the kind of that's it's funny you mentioned because i went from dc stuff like i almost feel like apart from maybe not hearing ssd until like the later 90s like i kind of got into hardcore not in real time but in real time like i heard minor threat the faith void all that stuff before youth crew Mm -hmm. but the abolition stuff that you mentioned that also was a part of my story because that was the stuff i was exposed to the people i knew because of you know we talked about frail Mm -hmm. uh being a big thing for my high school and Mm -hmm. uh, a big band for me personally that like really got frail was the first band where i knew that oh there's this stuff still exists like Mm. kids are doing it and there's but um so it's interesting you mentioned like downcast and all that stuff because I knew that before I knew like sick of it all, you know, um, the downcast struggle.
0: Yeah. Um, I was huge into like the heart attack fanzine. Me too. Um, like all that stuff. And it was a real kind of like dichotomy for me because I was listening to say disembodied and then like life, but how to live it. You know, and and a, kind of like an an emotional tug of war in myself. Like, do I want to fucking like mosh real hard, or do I want to sit down in the pit and prevent other people from moshing and yeah, write, no, I, write about it in a fanzine? Like, what am I, I going to do?
2: I think that's a great point because when I I I thought, you know, getting first into it, I thought moshing and all that stuff was played out because that was what I was fed from reading. Heart attack, yeah. and you know, watching the bands of that era, be you know, and even you know, Fugazi that we talked about had and were not into moshing and yeah. stage diving. So I remember when I would go to shows and that would happen, I'd be like, oh, like you know, it was almost that attitude of, oh, is this like football practice? I mean, we can laugh about it now, but that yeah. was truly the mentality back yeah. then. I had a, I had
0: like a real tug of war in that. Me era too like first going my very very first i walked into a show and black spot was playing and he's everyone's circle pitting and i was like i want to do this and i like just jumped in and started running around and then like two years later this kid spencer eakin who sang for mission impossible he's like hey let's sit down in the pit so that other people can't mosh and so me and him literally sat down I think maybe Palefire was playing at a roller I never got that extreme, but I remember... we sat down, and the bass player of Excessive Force came up to us, this kid Richie Taylor, and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You can't sit down right here. And we're like, just crossed our arms and sat there. We're like, we're boycotting, moshing or whatever. And then, you know, probably the next week I'm fucking acting like I'm fighting off bees and trying to... <laughs>
2: yeah, like, I, I remember seeing so Lifetime... I saw Lifetime for the first time at... Uh, they played Drexel University in the cafeteria. Like, they put a, did a show there. They cleared out the stuff. So this was end of 96. And I'm up front. There was no stage. And when people started, like, moshing and dancing, I was so thrown off because I had gone to all these suburban... Uh, shows here where a lot of those ebullition bands would play and they were not into that, you know? So it was like, I was like, what is it? And I remember thinking again, like, what is this? A sick of it all show. Now, of course now sick of it all is like one of my favorite hardcore bands, but there was, there was a real, I think that's a great way to put it Hav is that there was this real tug of war between worlds. And then by the time of 96, 97, I tipped the fuck over and I was full on, you know, floor punch in my eyes, all the rev stuff. And to me, like, I was like, fuck all that ebullition stuff. Now as an old man, I can realize that there was a place for all of it um, historically and musically, but it was a weird time. It was definitely a weird time. And 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 people don't realize there was a point where youth of today weren't cool. Right. And, and I know that sounds weird, but like they weren't cool. When I started loving Youth of Today, like in 95, they weren't, they were not cool with like oh. that
0: evolution scene. They were seen as like, yeah.
2: oh, that's, that's passe or
0: whatever. I always yeah. thought it was cool. And I mean, yeah. ni- 95, 96 too is like really kind of the, the, the vegan revolution is really starting to, like it had started obviously a few years earlier, 93 or whatever in Syracuse. Like victory
2: was, was a much bigger deal. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's starting to really break out. So like 95 to 98, it's like starting to become more of a thing. And, and um, with that comes then the uh, spin kicks and windmills and stuff like that. Um, Right.
2: It was a weird, it was a weird weird time. time. And I think people listening, like, i i don't have a problem with i'm not a big mosher but i don't have a problem with moshing and stage diving and like this music like you can't just see youth today and just stand there like it's just not but again when you're 14 and you're trying to figure out everything it can be it was confuse a confusing time and i remember being like should i be buying hardcore records with a barcode on them remember that was like the heart attack uh, and and all this stuff like and um you know, but I was again. I was I was fourteen, fifteen years old.
0: I feel like last time I saw Youth of Today was at a big fest in Los Angeles, and like the drums headlined, and it was outdoors in like this big field near Dodger mm. Stadium, kind of, and we my wife and I like stood next to the stage behind, you know, the barricade, like kind of in the band area or whatever. We get it. You're cool. Yeah. I was being a total, <laughs> total cool guy with a VIP. You you know, the yeah. You sure the laminate around. Yeah. It was right next to Joe Nelson. You know? Yep. And, um, but the, it, it was just such a different experience to see youth of today on a big stage with a barricade, and then looking out into the crowd and seeing people like there's no stage diving you know because of this the stage set up and but seeing people like singing along and like moshing in the grass or whatever it's under a yeah. tent how weird and yeah so not being able to stage dive or mosh for them at that point was a a really really strange experience you know
2: because then then that whole thing with hardcore bands like should they like when they play the bigger stages
0: is something lost you know and and well like in my citizen kane in the uh, the in effect video Uh you know and we talked to them about that how uh you know they really want especially with sick of it all they wanted to make it look like it was still new york hardcore and there's like right. one or two stage dives in the whole video you know and at that point it's like someone's diving over a barricade or whatever and you got high door prices and all that <laughs> stuff but it's like it, it is so man we could just go on and on yeah, and i know but it, let it, me it, just say it, think, real quick yeah yeah
1: last time i saw youth today the last show that they played 2019 was here in richmond oh nice yeah at the warehouse where Mike judge couldn't make the show and poor sang saying
0: uh, yeah. for a
1: judges set. He did uh-huh. a good job. Yeah. So it wasn't Mike judge, but he did a good job, but,
2: <laughs> and he knows that, but yeah, yeah, and he. Knows I think that. they made the best of, a, of the situation and it's cool. Um, yeah. and I think he should, like I said, I liked that never surrender stuff. He should do a band with Sammy, um, where they do something like that. When but, you were uh, talking
1: about that, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Poor cell did a great job. When he I, th-
2: I think that, uh, I guess one of the points I wanted to get out of all all this going on <laughs> is like cuz I maybe we mentioned it on the Patreon episode and not a a regular one and I'm sorry if we did and it's it's retelling something we've already said but as much as I get on Javier for his opinions and we joke, you know that he doesn't like stuff that he should like um is like everybody's coming from a different era and time and like when like it really brought back memories talking about that ebullition stuff and how there was that tug of war. Mm-hmm. And at that era, you weren't thinking about breakdown or outburst like that was not on the radar at all. No. Like it was more like, Oh, where can I find this angel hair seven inch or in right, right. bag? And, um, so I, that's why I do give you a more of a pass. And I think more people should be a little open and realize that like, we're all coming at this sometimes from different spots and different eras and getting into stuff, you know, later than maybe you quote unquote should have. And it's all about time, place and circumstance. Yeah. But I am glad that Youth of Today was one that very quickly I was like, okay, this is cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And this, this record, it's cool because it is so short and you could just put it on and then listen to like, okay, next and um it 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 stood the test of time for sure and um i mean they're my favorite they're my favorite hardcore band yeah like you know
2: that that doesn't. i say
0: i say all the time that they are the best hardcore band of all time and people oh man that's a real fight starter right there because people are like well what about negative approach and Mm. what about this but like Man, youth of today were such fucking trailblazers, pioneers. Like, there's if (laughs) literally you could put every record onto a Spotify playlist right now, and there would be no skippers, no skippers. Yes, youth of today challenge. But yeah, that one we're not gonna do. But yeah, I do it. That
2: youth of today challenge is just a Tuesday for me.
1: Yeah, Yeah, the seven inch. I play this the most out of everything that we've covered. I think
2: mm.
1: I played this a lot. Uh,
2: but like, I think that, um, it's just a great, Oh, the best, like I see, I would say the best would be I've said before Like to me, best is like bad brains. Cause they have this perfect like lineup of musicians, but youth of today is my favorite. And I think that it is for, I think for this, they're my favorite for the same reasons that Javier says they're the best. They were trailblazers I truly don't think straight edge would have been, uh, as big of a thing as it is to this day without them. Cause I think sure, it would have been not. the kind of thing where you had minor threat and it was a, a moment, a blip in time. Like who knows straight edge could have maybe ended up like, and this isn't to disparage it, but it could have been like Krishna Corps. like, Oh yeah, there was a point in time where there was these bands and they did this, but nobody's really doing that now. Um, that could have been straight edge. I think if it wasn't for youth of today, I think they changed it into, they took what SSD was trying to do, like to make it more than a song. So I'm not disparaging SSD or DYS and their importance, but I think youth of today ratcheted it up to the next level.
0: Also, it's Unlike interesting that, yeah. how uh, different regions say the name of the band. What you Greg, mean? say, say the name of this band. Youth of today. You said youth of today. And I say youth of today. Youth of today. Youth of today. It depends. (laughs) Youth of today. Yo, the youth, (laughs) the youth of today. These two youths. Yt. What are you cooking back there? What do you got? All right. Listen, what do we, uh, what do we have on the next episode?
1: We got a big one. Back on track. Hitting, hitting the discography. What do we got next? quicksand seven inch mm, game changer yeah you it mean, is a game changer you mean the omission seven inch I'm just kidding <laughs> the clean slate seven inch
0: yeah this is gonna be a, a cool one and this is where rev starts to get, t- yeah, yo, this, is where, to someone about this is where rev starts to get weird in my opinion yeah i agree this is, this is a real turning point for the label no pun intended so, uh, yeah, look no, out for that next time Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, If you like what you hear, check us out, www.whereitwentpodcast.com. And we will see you next time. Bit of bow. Peace. Happy New Year. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went Podcast. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Billy Tennell, Brandon Gavell, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Siren Records, Rob Moran, Tim Shear, Mike the Mosher, and uh, yeah, everybody else who's, uh, you know, a patron. Cool. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.